Well, hey, and welcome to the Quad City Podcast, where we are on mission to make more and better disciples of Jesus everywhere, always. We're so glad you're joining us in that today. Well, before we dive into today's sermon, would you do me a quick favor? Would you go ahead and open your app store and search Quad City Christian Church? Download our app because it's the best way to stay connected with what's happening here at Quad City. If you're new, joining us for the first time, click that new here form as we'd love to reach out and connect with you. You can also submit prayer requests and even give on that same app. It's the best way to stay connected here at Quad City. Well, hey, now that that's out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into our sermon from Sunday. We hope you enjoy. Hey, good morning, everyone. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. Man, honor that you guys would start your week off with us here at uh, Quad City. I want to welcome those of you uh, joining in online with us uh, whenever or wherever. Thanks for tuning in. And can't wait to the day we meet you uh, here at one of our physical locations. I want to say welcome in to those of you in Prescott Valley. Man, so glad you guys are here. Honor that you're joining with us today as well. Well, if you're new with us, we have been... Uh, we've made it to week 30 of our Romans, the gospel for everyone. Yeah, that's, yeah, ha, that's right. Round of applause. It has been 30 long weeks. No, it's been, it's been really good, honestly. I know many of you guys, we get to share a lot, but man, for me personally, what God has been stirring in me and doing in me over the course of these 30 weeks as we just walked through the word of God has been um, incredible. Man, I'm also just grateful. I'm so grateful to be a part of a church that is just committed to teaching the Bible, that we're walking through to help all of us, each and every one of us, become better disciples of Jesus. One of the things that we said as we've walked through this series in Romans, that we read the word of God aloud together from the platform each and every Sunday as we kind of begin. So we're going to do that again today. So if you have a Bible or your Bible app, you can open it to Romans chapter 10. We're going to be in verses 14 through 21. So Romans 10. 14 through 21. If you're able, I'd invite you to stand with us as we read the word of God aloud together today. This is the word of the Lord. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Again, I ask. Did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. And Isaiah boldly says, 
I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. But concerning Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Let me pray for us. Father, we ask that your word this morning convicts us and give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Spirit work in us. And Jesus is always we're grateful for you. In your name we pray. Amen. You guys can be seated. Well, when we started in Romans chapter 9, we said that we were entering into, for the next couple of chapters, 9 through 11, the hard news. And so some of the things that we've been talking about have been difficult to understand. But today, I don't think that's the issue. I don't think for today, the text is hard to understand. I think what it is, it's hard for us to actually live it out. You see, for many of us, this text is connected to like a global mission Sunday at a church or a world mission Sunday. We had a missionary maybe come in and speak or a preacher spoke. And at the end of the message, they would end with a call for people to uh, become missionaries, to sell off everything that you owned and move across the ocean and share the name of Jesus. And while that is still very much true, and I do believe this verse does speak to that, I think framing it only in that direction has done two things. Number one is, I think what happens now is when we hear this text, these verses, most of us just check out because we think, oh, that's for the missionary or for the preacher. That's for somebody else. That's not really for me. Secondly, then what happens because of that is we've lost the urgency, the personal responsibility to not only go and share the gospel across the globe, but across the street to our friends and family right here in Prescott or in Prescott Valley. So we don't actually think that people need to hear Jesus because a lot of us, we operate under this assumption that most everybody has heard Jesus. You see, when we first started in Romans, we said that all of us start off in Adam. And we want to move as we believe and have faith into Jesus. You see, I think our default setting is that everybody we interact with or encounter is already in Jesus. See, I think we think people don't need to hear any more about Christ. See, I think the reality is, though, what Jesus says, that it's only a few. And so really, I honestly, I think our default has got to honestly be more like that. Because I think this will drive the urgency. This will make us realize that probably the people we are interacting with and our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers may not know the saving faith of Jesus. And so we want to do everything we can to help move people into Jesus. And so here's my ask this morning. My ask this morning is that you lean in with us. You lean in with me. Don't think about the global missionary across the world. Ask yourself, how are you living out this command in your life right now to make more disciples of Jesus everywhere and always. So let's jump into our text. So Romans 14 and 15, how then can they call on the one they've not believed in? How can they believe in the one they've, in whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? And I want to keep this in context because it's helpful to remember where we ended last week in verse 13. So just look up right at verse 13 in your Bibles, and it says this, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. 
meaning everyone. We believe as a church that anyone who would call on the name of Jesus can receive salvation. We don't know as we preach who may respond and who may not respond, but we believe and know that Jesus' death and resurrection make it possible for everyone to come to faith. And so our job and our role, not as just a church, but as people, is to tell everybody that we can. I love how Jason summed it up last week. He said that Jesus is both equally accessible and easily accessible that anyone can believe if they choose to repent, submit, and say Jesus is Lord of their life. And so we believe that, but my only hang-up, I have just one hang-up with this verse, and it's the everyone. And this is the hang-up. It leaves it too broad. You see, I think when we hear everyone, we automatically think of all those other people, that maybe people I don't know, right? And so what we've tried to do at Quad City is we've tried to narrow the focus. We want to make it personal. We want everyone in our church who says they're a follower of Jesus, who's a part of our church, to have what we call their one. That one person in their life who doesn't know Jesus, the one person who they're friends with or maybe a co-worker's neighbor, and it's out of that friendship that we are trying to help that friend cross the finish line of faith. And we don't apologize about wanting people to know Jesus. But hear me, people are not projects to us. We are genuine in our desire to serve people and to love people and to, be a, and to be a good neighbor. Like, we want to do that, but make no mistake, the best thing for my friend and your friend who does not know Jesus is to know Jesus. That is the thing that will change their lives. So what I need you to do, if you don't have that person, if you don't know somebody who doesn't know Jesus right now, I need you to try to think of that person. Think of the person you're in a friendship with or a coworker, again, like I said, a neighbor. And I want you to picture them. And here's the thing. Maybe, just maybe, this is crazy, God has actually put you in their life for this very purpose. Like, wouldn't that be crazy that you would be the one to help them come to know Jesus, right? It's, it's crazy how the Lord does things. So we've probably got that person. Some of you came prepared. You already have a person. You know exactly who that is. So I need you to picture them because I want to reread verses 14 and 15 because they were too impersonal. I want to make them personal. And so in that name, or in that name, that person, I want you to put it in the blank. So as I'm reading, think about that. Think about that person. So how then can Josh call on the one Josh has not believed in? And how can Josh, believe in the one of whom he or she has not heard, and how can, who is it? How can they hear without me preaching to them? And this me is not me, it's you, okay? It's not a me as in me, it's a me as in you, right? And so it's important because I think that's what's happened is we go, oh, well, the preacher will tell them. But man, I think God is saying, no, 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 I want you to be active agents in telling people. Oh, this helps us put skin in the game. It makes it more personal. Because frankly, I don't think most of us have engaged in this area of our call of discipleship. You think I think Jesus was pretty serious when he said that we're called to go make more disciples. But again, I don't think all of us have actually done it. And this is why I say that. This was research done by Lifeway Research. It said that most unchurched Americans say they have multiple Christian friends, but those friends haven't shared with them how or why they should follow Christ. 
So people who don't know Jesus, don't go to church, say, I actually have friends, but they, they ain't telling me about Jesus. And the craziest thing is 79% say they would listen. 79% of people who said they're not followers of Jesus would actually listen if we told them. It keeps going. Here's another question asked in that same article. is has a Christian ever shared with you one-on-one? So in a relationship, any of the following. Have they ever told you how to become a Christian? Only 29% say it's ever happened. The benefits of actually becoming a Christian. Like I, I personally know Jesus changed my life, right? So I want to tell as many people as I can. But only 35% of people said, nobody's, they've not even told me that in one-on-one. Or the benefits of being in a local church. So many of us are here every single time the doors are open, yet we ain't telling other people why they should be here. And so I look at this and my question becomes, what are we doing? Like seriously, y'all, what are we doing? Like we stay in our little holy huddles while the world is uh, going crazy and we sit back and complain with all of the things when we actually have the fix. We have the things that would radically change people's lives, the things that would strengthen marriages, to restore families, to break the bonds of addiction, to grant freedom to those trapped in slavery, to open the eyes of the blind. Yet only three out of 10 of us who say we love and follow Jesus are willing to even open our mouths. While 80% of our unchurched friends said they did at least listen. You see, until we take seriously that everyone can be saved, and I mean everyone, even those people who it popped in your head and you honestly, you stopped it because you're like, ah, there's no way they could do it. There's no, they, there's no way they would believe. There's no way God could rescue them. Even those, that everyone would be saved. Because I have to remind us sometimes as believers, I think we forget that we serve a God of resurrection. We don't serve a God of the dead. We serve a God who raised Christ from the dead. So we really believe, I really believe that all things are possible with God. And so until that belief in a God who can do all things, that can save everybody, even that one friend that I'm like, I don't know, no, he can save him or her too, meets our desire to do something. I don't think these change. They'll stay here. And so what needs to happen, guys, is we have to engage. And that's not everybody out there, that's us. That's those of you in Prescott Valley. That's all of us have to actively say, I need to do something to change this. You see, because if we don't tell someone what we're doing is choosing to respond on their behalf. We're essentially believing that we don't think God can save them. And so I say, let's not reject Jesus for them. Let's do all that we can to present the gospel and tell them about their need for Jesus and let them reject that. Let them be the ones that make that decision. Because again, we have to actually tell them. That's what this says, that we're not doing that. But Paul is clear. He says, to call on the one whom they've not believed in. And how can they do that? How can they believe in the one whom they've what? Not heard. So they've got to hear. And then he says, and how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And then he says, how can anyone preach unless they are sent? Now, I love this train. To believe, you have to hear. And to hear, somebody's got to tell you. And for that to happen, somebody has to be willing to go. You see, I think the first two, I think we get. The third, the fourth one we're going to talk about, don't worry, it's this one. It's the preaching. See, I believe wholeheartedly that the Spirit of God gives the gift of preaching and teaching to people in the body of Christ. 
I, I love preaching. I love what one commentator, commentator said about preaching. He said, preaching brings the power, the substance, conviction, and the authority of the divine word to bear on the heart, the broken, the proud, the wise, the foolish, the miserable, the haughty, and the contrite. It says, when we experience the word of God, not as a contest in public speaking, not as entertainment or rhetoric, but as God's redemptive power to transform the utterances of human people and to enable them, uh, their speech, to teach, rebuke, correct, and instruct in righteousness, people's lives are changed. And we are grateful to be at a church with Jason who, man, pours over the scriptures to make God's word come alive for us. Man, I'm grateful for each week how he stands up here and opens up the word of God so that me and you can become better followers of Jesus. But it's not just on him to tell people about Jesus. The rest of us have to also tell the story of Jesus. You see, this word preach can also be the word tell or proclaim or herald. To tell what you've been told. So I don't want us to get caught up on the formal idea of preaching and just think, oh, that's for the preacher. That's for the preacher. That's his job. Any of you, no matter what age you are, no matter how long you've been a believer, can tell the message of Jesus. And it doesn't have to be from a stage or from a pulpit. You're just telling what you've been told, telling what you've experienced. So preach the word, friends. Allow the spirit of the living God to take your feeble utterance to do only what the word of God can do. As, it, as you use it, as you preach it, to awaken those in their slumber to come to faith in Jesus. But again, to preach, we've got to be willing to go. But 15 says, how can anyone preach unless they are sent? Here's the deal. I don't need to commission you to go. You already have been. Jesus said, go and make disciples. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, and if you've submitted your life to Jesus, the moment you stepped out of that baptismal water, you said, Jesus is now Lord, and I'm going to follow you in your commands. Jesus already told us what his command is. His command for his believers was to go and tell the world about him. I think some of us, you're waiting. You're waiting until maybe you have all the right answers. You're waiting until you know more. You're waiting till you think you become more mature. I just want to tell you, stop. Stop waiting. Just be willing like Isaiah to raise your hand and say, hey, here I am, Lord, send me. Because I know for me in my life, Jesus has absolutely changed everything. Everything good about my life is because of Jesus. All that I have and all that I am is because Jesus has come into my story and changed me forever. Why would I not want other people to experience that? So me personally, I go. Me personally, I believe the call on Josh's life is to go. And nothing was more clear when we were moving here to Prescott. My oldest son, who was eight at the time, he looked at me and he said, Daddy, why do we have to move? Why can't we just stay in Kentucky and tell people about Jesus? And I looked at him as tears filled his little eyes. He said, son, your daddy's a going person. And Jesus called me to go. I, I said, your mommy and daddy go, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, even when we leave everything else behind and people say we're crazy, we go. Because we really believe we have the best news ever. And I want to tell as many people as I can about Jesus. So the Garrett family motto is really simple. We're going people. 
Once upon a time, an old man crossed a bridge into a city that looked sad and dark even in the daylight. Can a city cry? Well, if a city could, then this one would. The Ferris wheel stood still and rusted. No one would dare to swim in the lake filled with trash and neglect. The gates of the city were broken when the flower man walked toward them, but he was glowing as if he knew a secret. Well, no one notices the flower man, despite his glowing and even his chuckling as he seems to challenge the despair, the division, the danger, and the darkness all around him. The city is blind to him. They're looking down, looking down the way people do when they have given up. The flower man finds a rundown house in the center of town and says, this'll do just fine. Strangely, no one notices him as he literally glows with anticipation. The young girl is preoccupied with her boredom. The man sits in a bath but never feels clean. The painter stares at the blank canvas. The elderly woman carries too much. The thief is plotting and no one notices the flower man. No one except the little girl next door. The flower man sets to work, replacing brokenness with beauty. Two little girls are just in awe. A few adults who brave a glance are mostly cynical or even offended. Most of the folks from the sad city hurry by without even looking up. And then it happened. The moment the flower man knew would come, he knew it would change everything. And just as the thief was plotting to steal the beauty that the neighbors still didn't understand, the flower man gave it away. A gift so delicious that the little girl next door begged her mommy for one. The milkman was plain old shocked, but the artist was inspired. The flower man gets busy doing what he came to do, giving flowers away. The city seems to whisper and even shout, life is coming. The streets are aglow with it. Can it come to the fountain? The little boy asks. It is coming to my canvas, the artist declares. It has come to my window? The bathing man amuses. Despite the beauty all around, to some, life can be frightening. So the little girl next door says a quiet goodbye and has moved quickly away. But life makes the old woman smile and the old man scratches head. The mother prays, the beggar receives, and the thief weeps. Because life cannot be stolen, it can only be given away. The flower man has a cookout and the streets turn into a block party. Dancing, music, laughter, and games. Loneliness is swallowed up by joy. The canvases are beautiful. The stories of the ancients are told. Intimacy is in the window and the fountain is flowing again. And joy lights the night. Games and music fill the streets. Their hearts are pulsing with life. Their hands are filled to overflowing. They cannot see over it. They cannot see that the flower man has packed up his bag of seeds and journeyed on. The flower man leaves the city aglow with love, answered prayers, and hope. Why did he leave? He left because there is someone who needs a flower, someone who couldn't get to him, so he will go to them, and he will bring them life. single time I move. And I remind myself that even though where I'm at may be bright and sunny and life may be appearing, the call on my life as one who has the light of the gospel is to go into the darkness and bring only the change that Jesus can bring. And so I go. And my hope and my prayer is that Quad City and all of you here with me become those kinds of people who are willing to go because I love how Paul says it. He says, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Like how beautiful are the feet of those who carry the light of the good news into the darkness of neighborhoods and into towns 
in the school buildings, in the hospitals, in bank buildings, into community gyms, and across the street to our neighbors' homes. In my opinion, there is nothing that stands in comparison with those who are willing to risk their lives to tell people about the gospel. And so we go. And as long as these feet keep working, that's who I want to be. I want to be a going person. But here's the thing. Just because we go doesn't mean that people are actually going to listen to us. Look how Paul says in 16. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? For Paul, he says, man, some days it's I go and I proclaim and I tell people and nobody's listening. For others, it's how beautiful are them feet. But what Paul knew is, man, that he could stand up in a room and one day he could preach and people would come to faith. And another time he could do it and his own people, the Israelites, would be chasing him out of town as he tries to escape death. But for Paul, and hopefully for us, it becomes this way as well, that whether hostile or receptive, we preach Jesus. Because what we know is that Jesus is the only thing that can save. But too many of us, we've become discouraged. We've, been, we've told people about Jesus that it didn't work. We haven't done it anymore, which always makes me ask the question, how receptive were you the first time somebody told you about Jesus? How receptive were you the 10th time somebody told you about Jesus? But what I know because it's true of my life is people kept coming and showing up and telling me my need to surrender and submit my life to Jesus. And so why do we think it'll be any different with the people we are also trying to reach? because they've got to hear. That's what Paul says. He says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ, about Christ. Like people have to hear about Jesus. This word Christ is not Jesus's last name. This is his title. It speaks to his identity and to what he's done. That the word Christ means Messiah. The Messiah has come. And he has fulfilled the promises and that through Jesus, through the Messiah, God has reconciled the world to himself and has invited you and me, sinners, into a relationship with him. And this is the word that people must hear. People must hear this message to come to faith because it's only Christ who can save them. And so we preach this message and it will cause them to realize how unable they are to save themselves. And hopefully, they'll call on the name of the Lord. Well, as Paul says this to those sitting there in Rome, I'm sure he anticipates the question, well, maybe Israel didn't hear Paul. Maybe they actually didn't hear about the message. Or maybe they didn't understand, and Paul's about to straight shut that down. Look at what he says in verse 18. But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the earth. So it's not that they didn't hear, it's they didn't listen. Well, maybe they didn't understand. Again, I asked, did Israel not understand? Well, first Moses says, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. And Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. Speaking of the Gentiles, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. But concerning Israel, he says, all day long I've held out my hand to a disobedient and obstinate people. It wasn't that Israel didn't understand. 
is their refusal was based on them, not on God. You see, Israel's choice to accept the message of Christ went on deaf ears, and they made their decisions to turn their backs on God. It wasn't God who didn't come to them. What's the text say? All day long. All day long, I kept showing up, God says. All day long, I held out my hands. Yet, what I encountered were people who were disobedient and obstinate. And so Paul is speaking to this group of Gentile believers, and he ends the thought. He started all the way back in chapter 9. Don't untether it because it's so important. He looks at them and says, brothers and sisters, Gentiles, the word of God has not failed. I know it seems like Israel is out, but Israel is out because they chose to be out. It isn't because God failed. You see, the Messiah has come and the salvation that all men needed has been brought. And Israel had every chance to believe, to repent and submit, but they have chosen to be disobedient. You though, he says, you though have found this righteousness and you didn't even know you were supposed to be looking for it. That those promises that were for Israel are now for you because you believe in the promise of the Messiah. And now you're in. But as we see, as we move to chapter 11, Paul is going to warn us not to become too conceited. He's going to remind us that if those who are in are now out, don't think that the same thing can't happen to you if you choose to be disobedient as well. And so God is sovereign. That thread we began in the beginning of nine, God is sovereign and his plan has come to fulfillment and you have a responsibility to believe. And we believe that everyone can come to saving faith in Jesus. And for those who do, you have another responsibility. You are now responsible to go and tell the story of Jesus. So I want to take us back to 15. Again, how can anyone preach unless they are sent? And I want to remind us the words of Jesus in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus has told us to go and to be his witness. And for some of you, that means you're going to stay right here in Jerusalem. And you're going to tell your neighbors and your coworkers and your friends right here in Prescott or Prescott Valley about the good news of Jesus. Some of you are going to go out and you're going to go to Judea and you're going to share the the message of the gospel to the surrounding towns and states and communities. But some of us were being called to Samaria. So Samaria is the group that were the next door neighbors to the Jewish people and they didn't like them. They hated them. And if that is not a word for 2023, that sometimes, and for some of us, it's time to go across the aisle and share the hope of the gospel with those we don't believe in and those who are different than us and those we say we hate, but it's time that we actually believe that the power of the gospel has not only the ability to reconcile us to God, but us to one another. And so we do that. And some of you, you are called. You are called to the ends of the earth. And that is an incredible, honorable, and amazing call. And honestly, there would be nothing sweeter for than our church to help you pursue that endeavor. But again, this isn't about global missions. We're all called to go be his witness to somewhere. And this idea of a witness, right? This idea of a witness is so incredible and so important. I want to I just camp here just for a second. You see, a witness doesn't get up on a stand and just play charades. No, a witness speaks to what they've seen. You see, it's not enough to just live godly lives. Eventually, you have to speak about Jesus. You have to tell people the story of the gospel. Your life, if lived like Jesus, gives you the on-ramp into people's lives. It will allow you access to be heard 
So when it's time, you speak. Because it's only by faith in the word that is Christ that people will be saved. And we believe that everyone can be saved. But how will they call on the one who they don't believe unless those who believe preach the word to them as sent people? So I want to leave you with this. You see, when I think of this, I think of names and faces and stories and friends. And I know they don't know Jesus. And their lives are not all they could be. And this honestly, man, it wrecks me. I think back to what we talked about, that, that literally we are in anguish over people that we don't know who don't know Jesus. So I need you to sit with this this week. I need you to become uncomfortable with it. I need it to actually mess you up because this, until we actually feel the urgency and the personal responsibility to start putting people in here and actually start telling them about Jesus, man, nothing's going to change. And it's about you. You've got to preach to people. You have got to tell the message of Jesus. Let us be people who walk into the darkness with the light of the gospel and start ripping people out. Because I believe everyone can be saved. Because I serve a God who is way bigger and possible of way more than I can imagine. And so my life, and I want your life to be banked on us, sharing the hope of Jesus with the belief that one day they'll call on that name. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you that your plan has not failed, that you are sovereign, God. Thank you to those of us in this place who have believed and said yes to you, Jesus. God, now convict us. Make us just all upset inside because we know there are people that we're in relationship who don't know Jesus. Better yet, maybe, God, that's the issue. Maybe we don't know people. God, bring people into our lives, surround us with people that we can share your goodness with. Because we believe. We believe that the message of Christ is available to all who would call on and surrender to you. So God, help us. Help us tell the story. Help us be people who go. People who go into the darkness with the light of the good news. Let it be said of us, how beautiful are the feet of those people at Quad City. We keep walking to wherever it takes because people can't come to us, so we'll go to them. Man, we love you, Jesus. I'm grateful for you. And we pray, amen. Amen. And thank you so much for joining us today here at the Quad City Podcast. Hey, our desire is that we would each look more and more like Jesus every day, week, month, and year. And we know that that doesn't just come from learning more about him and his word, but by actually applying it to our lives today. We hope that you take this message that you heard today and apply it to your life in a way that makes you honor him. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to download the Quad City app and we will see you again next time.